This podcast is a presentation of Nags Head Church, reaching people to discover life in Christ. Stay tuned and visit us on the internet at nagsheadchurch.org. Well, good morning. Well, you, you got to sleep in. You should be louder than that. Good morning. Yeah, that's better. That's better. Well, we're glad you're here worshiping with us this morning. And um, last week, somebody asked me what I was going to um, preach about, and I, and I said the Bible, and they kind of laughed, thinking that was like a generic kind of just answer, but that's, that's what I'm going to do, because we, a lot of times we know, if, especially if you grew up in church, you always would give the Sunday school answers, which were Bible, Jesus, you know, don't do drugs, those things. So, uh, talking a little bit about the Bible today, how many of you grew up in church, you're, you're, you know, started when you were a little kid, grew up in church, went to Sunday school, did the vacation, a lot of us, vacation Bible school, and so we would learn songs, wouldn't we, when we were little about the Bible, and uh, of course, the big famous one is the B-I-B-L-E, how many of you know that? All right, good, because we're going to sing it, right here, right now. I'm not a worship leader. But uh, we'll, we'll try this together, okay? So if you know it, please sing out. Ready? The B-I-B-L-E, yeah. Yes, that's the book for me. You got it. Awesome. You guys are great. Good. So this week I thought about all the songs I learned as a kid. I would, you know, a song every now and then would come in my head about the Bible, and, uh, and, I, and I enjoyed those things. And so I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the Bible today, and, and this is from, probably, this, this came from um, a couple months ago, time just all runs together for me, it could have been last week, but I think it was a couple months ago, Ty came home from Little K, and he had in his map book the story of Josiah, and I started reading it, you know, I was reading it to him at night, and I thought, this is a, this is a great, great story from the Old Testament. And so I started reading it more on my own, and there were some things in there that jumped out at me, and one, one particular that we're going to talk about in just a few minutes. So if we're going to talk about the Bible, I want to just a few things that we know about the Bible and give you a few of those. A lot of this you already know, but this is just a good reminder um, for us. First of all, we know the Bible is the inspired Word of God and inspiration. God breathed. God used man to write down his word. And all the way from Adam till now, God has been using humans to do God's work. And so God inspired his word, and it was written down through the hands of men, inspired by God. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness. It's all inspired. 2 Peter 1, 20 to 21 says, First of all, you should know this. No prophecy of Scripture comes from one's own interpretation because no prophecy ever came by the will of man. Instead, moved by the Holy Spirit, men spoke from God. So we know the Bible's inspired. Other thing we know is the Bible is infallible. There's no errors in God's Word. His Word is true. It's perfect. 2 Samuel twenty two thirty one says, God, His way is perfect. The Word of the Lord is pure. He is a shield to all who take refuge in Him. Psalm 119, 140 says, Your Word is completely pure, and your servant loves it. If we start to question the inerrancy of the Bible, where do we draw the line? 
Uh, our doctrine, what we would believe, would have holes all in it. Denial of the fall of Adam, denying the events of Jonah's life. Really, was it a big fish? Yeah, I think God can do that. Um, explaining, the way, explaining away the miracles of both the Old and New Testament. I remember one time I was talking to a guy when he found out I was a youth pastor. Don't know how it came up, but the whole um, miracle of when Israel cro- crossed the Red Sea, you know, and Moses held out his staff in the Red Sea open. He was watching Discovery Channel, and he says, you know, I, I, I learned on the Discovery Channel is actually the Sea of Reeds, is what he told me. I said, well, that's even a greater miracle because the Sea of Reeds was only inches deep, and so God took inches of water and drowned an entire army. That's amazing. So, um, you know, we start questioning these miracles, and then we would have to question, okay, was Mar- Mary, was she truly a virgin when she gave birth to Jesus Christ? Did Jesus really live a sinless life? Because if he didn't, then we're all in serious trouble if we've put our faith in Jesus Christ. What a mess we would be in if God's Word were not 100% totally true. Another thing we know is the Bible is indestructible. And think about all that's happened throughout history where people and governments have tried to destroy the Bible, and some have burned copies or destroyed copies of the Bible, but the Bible is still has always been there. Um, Isaiah 48 says, The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God remains forever. It's indestructible. So we know it's inspired, infallible, indestructible. We know that the Bible has stood the test of time. The Bible's written, of course, a long, long time ago. Yet the lessons written in the Bible that were written so long ago are still relevant to where we live today. And people are still go to the store and buy copies of the Bible. And so it stood the test of time. Also, we know that the Bible is backed by a rich history of witnesses. Think of all those people throughout time who have been influenced and had their lives changed um, as a result of what they have read in the Bible. And this room is full of witnesses to the truth um, of the Bible as we have trusted Jesus as our Savior and believe the words of, of the Bible. And, and there's been witnesses to God's Word, people who follow God, who have put their life on the line and died as martyrs because they loved the Word of God. So, if we know all of this about the Bible, and there's a lot more that we didn't talk about just now. It would take weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks to really talk about the Word of God. But if we know all of this about the Bible as believers, as Christ followers, those who have trusted Jesus as our Savior, if we know all of this, how can we neglect the Word of God? Why does spending time in the Bible get pushed to the back burner, or, or even worse, just totally forgotten in the life of a believer. When Misha and I were young, a uh, young married couple, newlyweds, and she still today looks like she did then. I, I have a few more pounds on me. But when we were young newlyweds, we lived paycheck to paycheck. Wait, we still do that. But anyways, <laughs> when we were new, how many of you, you all are in the same boat, right? We live paycheck to paycheck, and much hasn't changed since. But we would get paid from our two jobs, and, and we would pay the bills, right? And we would put gas in the cars. We would buy groceries, um, and then we'd have like $5 to last us for two weeks. And we would pray that our gasoline and our cars would make it to the next paycheck so we could uh, drive to work and make money so we could turn around and do all of that all, all over again. And so I remember when we were in that position in our life, and um, I don't know what happened. It was a birthday. I don't know what exactly happened, but somehow we were given a $20 
bill. Now, some of you younger folks are like, $20, what's that? Back then, we're talking 1989. Long time ago. $20 bill was a lot of money, especially when you had $5 in your checking account. And I remember we were so excited about getting this $20. And uh, so we thought we would do the wise thing. Let's tuck this $20 away for when we need it. Let's put it somewhere safe so that when we need it, we won't, you know, it will be there. You probably know where this is going. We forgot where we put it. We tucked it away. It was very safe. It was so safe, we forgot where we hid this $20 bill, and we couldn't find it. And uh, we had something of value, and we misplaced it. Some of you do this every day. Ladies, how many of you have lost a purse in your house? Come on, let's be honest. I'm going to be very open and honest with you today. I expect the same from you, right? My favorite one is, hey, have you seen my glasses? Oh, yeah, there they are. There they are. You know, we, we lose stuff all the time. I'm a creature of habit. If it's not part of my habit, my daily routine, more than likely it's not going to get done unless Misha, Barbara Kay, or someone else in my life who's trying to keep me straight goes, don't forget, you know, oh, yeah, that's right. I'm a creature of habit. And every day when I come home, I walk upstairs, I go to the bar, um, and I put my keys my phone and my wallet there because I know then when I leave, I know exactly where it's at. I can get it, put it back, and go, right? But there have been times because something clicked in my brain or didn't click, something didn't fire right, and I put my stuff somewhere else. And then the next time I go to leave, I'm, I tear the house up for an hour trying to find my keys, my wallet, and my cell phone, and I can't find these things. Of course, what's the first word out of my mouth? Misha, what did you do with my phone, my wallet, and... My, my uh, cell phone, wallet, and keys, where'd you put them? You know, because men, we do that. Our socks are always in the same drawer, yet we say to our wives, where are my socks? Because we're brain dead like that. So I blame it on her. Sometimes I think she does move things just a little bit, just to mess with my mind. But So it's easy to lose things and misplace things and, and lose track of things. In the Bible, there's this event in the life of this young king, Josiah, and it's in the Old Testament. It's found in 2 Kings 22 and 23. And this event gives us an example of this misplacement or basically neglect of something really, really valuable, and that's the Word of God. So we're going to read from 2 Kings 22, verses 1 through 10. I thought it was cool a few weeks ago when we did the responsive reading with Pastor Rick, because we don't get to do that often, so that as I was talking about this with Misha, she said, you should do responsive reading. That was so fun. And so I'm looking at the verses, and I go, okay, here's what we're going to do this morning. You're going to take all the verses with the really hard names, okay? And then I'll just take the rest. Will that work? I'm just kidding. I'll, I'll read it all for you, but... Don't hold me accountable for slaughtering some of these names from 2 Kings. Let me read to you, starting from uh, chapter 22, verse 1. It says, Josiah was eight years old when he became king. He reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. His mother was Jedidah, the daughter of that person there from Bozkath. He did what was right in the Lord's sight and walked in all the ways of his ancestor David. He did not turn to the right or to the left. He was set on pleasing God. 
Verse 3, in the 18th year of King Josiah, the king sent court secretary Shaphan, son of that person, son of that person there, to the Lord's temple, saying, go up to Hilkiah the high priest so that he may total up the money brought into the Lord's temple, the money the doorkeepers have collected from the people. It is to be put into the hands of those doing the work, those who oversee the Lord's temple. They, in turn, are to give it to the workmen in the Lord's temple to repair the damage. So they're doing a little housekeeping there at the temple, fixing things up, and this is, this is what's happening. Verse 8, Hilkiah, the high priest, told Shaphan, the court secretary, this is the high priest, I have found the book of the law in the Lord's temple. And he gave the book to Shaphan, who read it. Clean it up, straighten up. Oh, look what we found. Verse 9, Then Shaphan, the court secretary, went to the king and reported, Your servants have emptied out the money that was found in the temple and have put it in the hands of those doing the work, those who oversee the Lord's temple. Then Shaphan, the court secretary, told the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read it in the presence of the king. So as you catch that there, the high priest, what he's told him, he said, I have found the book of the law. I found the word of God in the temple. And remember that $20 bill I told you about that was so valuable? We found it months later, months later when we went to move. We opened a drawer, and guess what was in the back of the drawer? The $20 bill. And we did something real smart. I think we went out and celebrated by eating Mexican food. But, you know, we had it. It was there, but we lost it. And then we totally forgot about it until we were packing up the move. And we're like, there's that $20 bill. This is what's happening here. They had the word of God, and they lost it right there in the temple. The very ones who to teach God's word to the people so they could pass it on to their kids and future generations misplaced God's word and lost it right there in the temple. And they're like, hey, look what we found. So Josiah, he's really upset that the word of God's been neglected for so long. And in 2 Kings 23, I'm going to start reading verse 1. It says, then the king called together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. He went up to the temple of the Lord with the men of Judah, the people of Jerusalem, the priests and the prophets, all the people from the least to the greatest. And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant, which had been found in the temple of the Lord. The king stood by the pillar and renewed the covenant in the presence of the Lord to follow the Lord and keep his commandments, regulations and decrees with all his heart and with all his soul, thus confirming the words of the covenant written in this book. Then all the people pledged themselves to the covenant. What's sad is shortly later, after he's no longer king, the people who made those pledges forgot all about it once again. Israel had strayed away from God. And why had that happened? Because they had neglected the word of God. They had ignored it so long that they forgot they even had a copy of God's word. And the result was idol worship and false gods became a part of the normal everyday life and religious life of the children of God, his chosen people. And if you read on through chapter 23, and we don't have time this morning to do all that, plus I don't have to read all those names, but if you read all the way through chapter 23, you see how Josiah goes in and cleans house. He gets rid of all these altars, all these false gods, all these idols, crushes them, burns them, throws dead bands, bones on them, does all kinds of stuff to clean house. And he did a thorough job of cleaning out all of these idols and altars of false gods. And as I read this, 
um, on my own, I thought, you know, we do the same thing. We forget about the Word of God. We neglect the Word of God. And the result is there's some same things that happen in our lives that happen with the nation of Israel. So I want to talk real quickly about what happens when we neglect the Bible in our lives. First of all, we stray from God. We no longer walk with God. And this is exactly what happened with Israel. A movement away from God rather than drawing closer to Him. And the desire to spend time with God is soon lost over time. The Bible is God's love story, as we know, written to us and for us, so that whenever we're connected to Him and His Word, we're reminded of God's love for us. And when we ignore His Word, then we, over time, forget about just how much God does love us. And soon, His Word is pushed to the back of our mind. But also another thing is truth is rejected and traded for feelings and opinions. After time, Israel rejected the truth of God's word, and they went to living life how they pleased. And we do the same thing today. We ignore, neglect, forget about God's word. We replace it with something else, our feelings. We live, a life, and make, we live life and make decisions on how we feel rather than what does God's word say I'm to do. We accept the opinions of others over what God's word teaches us. Soon, God's word, like the nation of Israel, is not where we go to be our guide. We don't go to God's word to guide us through life. We start guiding by our feelings or someone else's opinions, and soon we get lost in that in our life, and God's word is pushed out. Another thing uh, that happens is God takes the back seat to our own desires. And that's the nice way of saying we replace God with idols in our lives. And, and I highly doubt that anyone in this room has idols set up at home that they worship. But Israel, they had the word of God, but they neglected the word of God so much. And then the, soon they were worshiping um, idols and false gods. And we do the same thing today by elevating people, um, places, careers, things above our relationship with God. We start spending time and investing in another relationship or a hobby or family than we do spend time with God and His Word, and His Word keeps getting pushed further and further and further down our to-do list for the day. So we stray from God. Truth is rejected. We start worshiping idols in our life, and then we see that generations can be hurt or generations will be damaged as a result of this. The neglecting of God's word had been going on in Israel for a while, and generations were growing up without knowing the word of God, and children were learning from their parents the word of God, and that didn't happen much anymore because now parents didn't realize what God's word taught because it had been misplaced and lost right there in the temple. And so eventually, there were generations that had no clue about God's word. And what is, uh, at times... This sounds eerily familiar with where we're at in the church today in America. Dads, moms, church, our neglect of the Word, spending time with God and His Word, is serious because of the negative impact that it will have on future generations. So we know some things about God's Word, and we know what happens if we neglect God's Word. So what can we do in our lives to make sure that spending time with God is something that we are actively doing, spending time in His Word, on a day-in, day-out basis as a believer, a follower of Christ. And this morning, I want to give you a few of those, but I want to remind us of one thing. 
Because often when we think of neglect, we think of a total rejection of God's Word or taking and um, not reading God's Word. If we neglect God's Word, it's because we're not reading His Word. But it's not necessarily, neglecting God's Word is not necessarily avoiding reading God's Word. It goes a lot deeper than that. You can read God's Word every day and still neglect His Word if you aren't applying His Word in your life. Um, Usually we end up, when we're in that position in life, we end up doing some self-justification why what we're doing or how we're living is okay with God, even though God's Word says that what we're doing is wrong. So, and we do that all the while while having a daily time with God. I was talking with a friend who was going through a really um, rough spot in his life, and he was obviously making choices that were not pleasing to God. And he made this statement to me, because as I'm trying to help him figure some things out, I'm, I'm saying, hey, you know, how is your quiet time with God? How is your time going that you spend with God? And, and he said, I'm reading the Bible every day. See, we can read the Bible every day, but if we don't do what it says, if we don't apply the Word of God, if we don't obey, then we are neglecting the Word of God, just like the nation of Israel had done. Reading the Bible can become a religious act, something that you do, but it means nothing more than that. And that's neglecting the Word of God. So let's look at some things, the practice, what to do with the spiritual discipline of studying God's Word. Whenever I teach students in the youth group about um, the importance of hanging out with God, spending time with God, the first thing is you've got to make a date with God. Maybe you're at that point today where it's, you have not read the Bible for so long and um, you're thinking, you know, this is the step I need to take. I need to start reading God's Word again. The first thing you need to do is make a date with God. Say, God, starting at this time, this day, and I would suggest today, at such and such time, you and I are going to get together. I'm going to read your Word and spend some time in prayer. Make a date with God. It's that important. The second thing is to read with a plan. There are lots of great plans out there to take you through reading the Bible. Um, you can learn about reading plans in Pastor Steve's class and discovering the basics that he teaches. You can also find some great reading plans and accountability on uversion.com. That's what I use, and I signed up. I'm, I'm reading through the epistles, and what's great about it is there's a little plan calendar, and I click on it, and I can see blacked out the dates that I read, and then the dates I haven't read yet are in red. And I can look and go, oh, I missed yesterday. Click on it, read yesterday's reading. And if I want to catch up, do that. But you need to come up with a plan to start reading God's Word. Start in Genesis and read through the whole Bible. That's a good plan. Start with the Gospels. Whatever it is, you need to come up with a plan. Um, I will say that all of us are shaped and created differently by God. And some of you are like king and queen organization self-disciplined people. Others of us aren't, right? And so, some of you to say, I'm going to read through the Bible in a year. You can do it, no problem. Others of us, we get like a couple books in, and then we die. And then we get, we feel so defeated by that, that we just quit reading after a while. I'm already behind so many chapters a day, I can't catch up. And if I even read 20 chapters today, I'm not going to remember what I read. And so, we just give up. Listen, you don't have to read through the Bible in a year, all right? Just find a plan to reading the Bible or come up with a plan on your own to spend time with God every day in His Word and start doing it. And if you miss, catch up the next day. I guarantee you, when I miss a meal, 
I don't give up eating. I eat more at the next meal, right? And it's the same way with God's Word. Another thing we can do is meditate. Think about what you've read and how it relates to your life. And this idea comes from ruminate, which is the same idea of a cow chewing her cud. And she chews on it a while, swallows it. I know it's a little gross, but it's a fact of life. And then she brings it back up later, chews it, gets some more nourishment, swallows it. Later it comes up, chews on it some more, gets nourishment, swallows it, so on and so forth. That's the idea of meditation. Sometimes in church when we hear somebody say meditate, some of us get scared because we think of an Eastern uh, Asian religion where you have to sit on the floor with your legs crossed and your hands just right and go, um, which the only thing that does for me is make me sleepy. That's not the meditation we're talking about. We're talking about taking God's Word, reading it, and then throughout the day God's Word comes back to your mind. You think about it. It nourishes you spiritually. You go about your business. Later, God's word comes back to your mind. You think about it. It nourishes you spiritually. You go back to your business of the day, and you keep bringing it up. That's meditating on God's word, thinking about his word over and over throughout your day. Another great thing to do is journal. Write down. And, and, and men, let's just be honest, we're not good at that. If you're a man and you journal, it's taken a lot of work for you to get that way. Some ladies, they're not big in journaling, but I know some ladies who just write. You know, if they wrote their day out, they'll write their day out every day. It's like five pages, right? And they'll journal everything, which is great. And it's a good habit to learn if you're going to study God's Word to journal, write down what you read, what you're learning, and keep track of that. And it's so cool when you meet people who have, like, notebooks, of journals, where they've, what they've read in the Bible. I think that's fascinating. I'm the worst at that. And it takes a lot of work to even try to do that for me. But if you can journal, please do it because it's good for you. A great way to journal, and, and we teach this to the students, is a very um, easy way. It's using the acronym of the word SOAP. Um, first S is Scripture read. You write down what Scripture you read, Second Kings twenty two twenty three. And then, oh, observations. What's going on in this chapter or this set of verses? What's happening? Who's involved? What's going on? And then A is application. How does this apply to my life? Because it does no good to read it and not apply it. So how does it apply to my life? And then P is prayer. Spend time with God in prayer. God, help me to apply what I've just learned today and read from your word. Help me to live out your word in my life. So soap. Scripture, observations, application, and prayer. A great way to journal and write down. And you can just on a page write S-O-A-P and then just fill it in. And it's an easy way to do that. Another important um, part of spiritual discipline in God's study and God's Word is to obey, to practice God's Word. By refusing to obey God's Word, what we're in fact doing is exactly what Israel did, just totally neglecting, forgetting about it. So obey God's word. When you read something and you realize, uh-oh, I am not doing that in my life. I need to fix that. Then fix it. Obey it. Do what God's word says. Another uh, great thing to do is to connect, to connect with other believers around the Bible. And I think that some of you in this room, a lot of you are involved in connection groups at Nags Head Church, and I think you'll probably agree with me that it's actually fun when you get together with your group your small group in the living room of a home or wherever you meet and you sit around and you talk about the Bible, that that is fun together. To do that, you enjoy that. 
Um, we learn from the Bible together and grow together. And what's great is when someone shares what God's teaching them from the Word or something they got out of what you're studying, you can actually learn and grow from them. You don't have to learn from just the guy that's up here on the platform every weekend. You learn from other believers and what God's teaching them in the Word as they grow. And sometimes you can read the same thing and something may jump out at you that didn't jump out at this person, but they might have something that jumped out at them, and then pretty soon you're both learning from each other. It's a fantastic thing. Connect with other believers around the Bible. It's also good accountability if you're in a connection group because it's obvious when somebody doesn't do the Bible study during the week when it comes to the question and answer and discussion time because they're either really quiet or they just start making up on the fly, you know, God, Jesus, you know, they come up with the Sunday school answers. So it's great to connect with others around the Bible. So we know some things about the Bible. We know what happens if we neglect the Bible. There's some things we can do to help us connect and study um, God's Word. But what about the result? What happens when the Word of God becomes part of your life? Um, this might sound bad to some of you, but the human nature is to ask the question, What's in it for me? Right? When you go to a job interview, you've applied for a job, and you're sitting down talking, one of the questions I hope you ask about is, what is the salary, or how much am I going to get paid? That's the nice way of looking at the guy or the lady that's interviewing and saying, what's in it for me? If I do this for you, what do I get out of it? And it's, it's, that's just the way of life. And so when you spend time in God's Word, guess what? There's something in it for you. You get something out of it. Um, what happens? So I want to just give you a few of the things that I thought about as I was thinking about, hey, Andy, what, what do you get from God's Word when you spend time with God in His Word? The first thing I got written down here is guidance. You get guidance. Have you ever felt like you're stumbling through life? Just no clue, just like going, stumbling through life without any direction and uh, just going for it. When I was a senior in high school and the year after, I had no clue. I was just stumbling through life. I had no clue what I was going to do. Then I graduated, and I still had no clue what am I going to do with my life. And I was just out there tripping along through life. And when I think back, I also realized that that was a two-year window of my life where I did not open the Bible except on Sunday morning when the pastor, who happened to be my dad, said, turn to such and such a book. And that's when I would open God's Word. So no wonder I was stumbling because I wasn't spending time with God to get direction from Him. Going through life without direction from God is like taking a hike in the mountains at night without a flashlight. How many of you like to go to the mountains and hike? Anybody? A few of you? Yes, I like to go to the mountains and look at them. <laughs> Hiking, I finished a few years ago. I don't do that anymore. But it's like going up in the mountains at night in the woods without a flashlight, taking a hike. You trip, you stumble. You experience pain as you stump your toe on a tree stump or a rock. And that's the way life is. If you're not spending time with God and His Word, you're going to go stumbling through life. Here's a couple familiar verses for you um, from Psalm 119, verses 104 and 105. I gain understanding from your precepts. You learn, you get some things when you read God's Word. I gain understanding from your precepts. Therefore, I hate every wrong path. It helps guide you. You're not going to take a bad path. Verse 105, your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The Bible is where we find 
guidance for our lives. We find the understanding we need to get direction in our life, to take the right paths in our life. So the Bible lights our way. It's guidance. Another thing is the Bible does for us is it gives us strength. Psalm, uh, in Psalm 1, David paints this picture of a strong tree with deep roots. And I want to read these verses for you from Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. Verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. Enjoys getting into the word, basically. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Thinks about God's word. And the result, verse 3, he is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. We have all known believers, followers in Christ who all of a sudden you see in their life there's no more fruit. And pretty soon you don't see them much at church and pretty soon they just kind of disappear. They fade, they wither. Why? Chances are they're not spending time with God and His Word and growing. They're not delighting in His Word and growing with Him. So it brings strength. And life takes strength to live out the life that we have to live. Another thing is wisdom. Jesus tells a story of two men who are building homes. They're building their houses. One man builds his house on the sand, much like we do here on the Outer Banks. And the rain comes and the storms rage and the house comes crashing down. The other man, a wise man, builds his house on the rock, a solid foundation. And the storm rages all around him, and at the end of the storm, his house is still standing. In Matthew 7, Jesus says this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, hearing the word, understanding it, practice, that's application, Whoever does that is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. It's wise to spend time with God and his word, and his word brings wisdom for your life. Another thing that happens is life change. Now, we know when we trust Jesus as our Savior, you know, old things pass away, behold, all things become new. How does that happen? How does that work in our life? For some of us, when we trusted Jesus as our Savior, there was a lot of immediate, drastic change, bingo, like that, right away. And then there's other things that take a while to change. Change isn't always total, completely, immediately, because I think part of the Christian life is you're constantly changing as you're growing, and God's pointing out areas in your life that need to be changed. So how do we experience change in our lives? One way is allowing God's Word to transform your life. The only way that's going to happen is to change what you're putting into your mind. You know the old saying, garbage in, garbage out. You put in the computer, and the computer's going to give you back what you put in. It's the same way with our lives. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. God's word will change your life by changing the way that you think. And when your thinking changes, then the way you live out your life is going to change. And it's going to affect and impact your life, but not only your life, but the life, lives of those you come in contact with, those you live with, those you work with, your neighbors. So there's life change. 
And then also, as you spend time in God's Word, you become Christ-like. How do we have the mind of Christ as a believer? How do we accomplish this? Well, first of all, we have to get to know who Jesus Christ is and how He treated others, what His purpose on earth was, and we only do this by spending time with Him in the Bible, reading about Jesus in the Gospels, spending time there, learning the characteristics of Christ. That's how you get the mind of Christ and become Christ-like as you see Jesus, how He lived out His life, and then you decide, this is how I need to treat other people. This is how I need to live my life. And so you start to make those changes and become more Christ-like. The bonus there is the more you get to know Christ, the more you're going to know about God because Jesus is God in the flesh. Then also, another big benefit is a growing relationship with God. Have you ever felt like your relationship with God is just going absolutely nowhere? I've been there. I've done that. There's no growth, nothing happening in your relationship with God. You know, a pond that is stagnant, it's stagnant because there's no fresh water coming in. It's just water sitting there. And also it's stagnant because there's no water going out. You know, you can have a stagnant pond, and if it rains, yeah, fresh water came in, but soon that water becomes stagnant. Why? Because the water's not going anywhere. It's the same way with God and our relationship with Him. When we spend time with God and His Word, He fills us with something fresh and new. Then we look for ways to live out God's Word in our lives. Look, how, look for ways to outreach, reach out to others, and ways to minister to others and let God pour through our life so He's pouring into us and out of us, and then pretty soon we're not a stagnant pond any longer, but fresh and new. Look for ways to live out God's Word in your life. That's what keeps the relationship with God fresh and growing. So this morning, I don't know if you've ever lost anything valuable, but you know what that's like. But this morning, I want you to think about, have I lost something valuable? Have I stopped reading God's Word and spending time with Him? Are you applying what you learn from the Bible, or do you just have a lot of head knowledge? What will your next step be today? Perhaps you need to make a date with God and get a reading plan and start working towards that. There's no cookie-cutter version. Just figure out what you need to do. Get some accountability and start working at that. Maybe today you need to start applying what you're learning and, and let it live out in your life. But whatever you do, don't be like Israel and neglect the Word of God for so long that you sit down one day and you look over and there sits your Bible and you think, when is the last time I opened that book up? What is the step you need to take today to help you in your relationship with God by spending time in His Word and making God's Word an active, living part of your life. Let's pray. Father God, I thank You so much for Your love, and I thank You for Your Word, God, that You've given us. I thank You that we have the Bible to go to where we can learn from other people's lives that we can read about in Your Word and and see how they pleased you and lived for you, or see how they made poor choices and lived against you, God, and the result of that. Lord, help us as believers to realize how valuable your word is to us in life, and that we would take your word and make it a part of our daily life and spend time with you, God, because you have uh, a love story there you want to share with us.
Help us to grow. And God, I know that in this room, because I've been a Christian for a long, long time, I know, God, there's believers who have been neglecting your word. God, I pray today they'll take the next step that they need to take to make your word a part of your life. God, I know there's people in here who read the Bible and have lots of head knowledge about your word, but they don't have it in their heart. They're not living it out because they're not applying it. Help them. Lord, there's some in this room probably who don't even have a relationship with you, have never put their faith in Jesus Christ. God, I pray that they'll open your word and start reading from your word and see how much you love them and how badly you want a relationship with them. God, and how you want to change, transform, and renew their life. God, I pray that today they start doing that. They start asking the questions. God, and that they turn their life to you. That you become a part of their life. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. This has been a presentation of Nags Head Church. Reaching people to discover life in Christ. Visit us on the internet at nagsheadchurch.org.